Judges chapter 2, starting at verse 6. When Joshua dismissed the people, the people of Israel went each to his inheritance to take possession of the land. And the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great work that the Lord had done for Israel. And Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110 years. And they buried him within the boundaries of his inheritance in timnath Heres, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of the mountain of Gash. And all that generation also were gathered to their fathers. And there arose another generation after them who did not know the Lord or the work that he had done for Israel. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. They went after other gods from among the gods of the peoples who were around them and bowed down to them. And they provoked the Lord to anger. They abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies so that they could no longer withstand their enemies. Whenever they marched out, the hand of the Lord was against them for harm, as the Lord had warned and as the Lord had sworn to them. And they were in terrible distress. Judges. Chapter 2, starting to read at verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hand of those who plundered them. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they hoard after other gods and bowed down to them. They soon turned aside from the way in which their fathers had walked, who had obeyed the commandments of the Lord, and they did not do so. Whenever the Lord raised up judges for them, the Lord was with the judge, and he saved them from the hand of their enemies all the days of the judge. For the Lord was moved to pity by their groaning because of those who afflicted and oppressed them. But whenever the judge died, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers, going after other gods, serving them and bowing down to them. They did not drop any of their practices or their stubborn ways. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel, and he said, Because this people has transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died in order to test Israel by them, whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. So the Lord left those nations, not driving them out quickly, and he did not give them into the hand of Joshua. Now, these are the nations that the Lord left to test Israel by them, that is, all in Israel who had not experienced all the wars in Canaan. It was only in order that the generations of the people of Israel might know war, to teach war to those who had not known it before. These are the nations. The five lords of the Philistines... And all the Canaanites and the Sidonians and the Hivites who lived on Mount Lebanon, 
from Mount Baal Hermon as far as Lebo Hamath. They were for the testing of Israel to know whether Israel would obey the commandments of the Lord, which he commanded their fathers by the hand of Moses. So the people of Israel lived among the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. This book is about a radical idea that most people, deep down, are pretty decent. So says historian Rutger Bregman in his book, Humanity, A Hopeful History. Uh, This book by Rutger Bregman stands in a long line of books discussing what people are really like. When it's all stripped away, deep down inside, what are we really like? Now, Bregman says that deep, deep down we're decent, and he calls it a radical idea. Um, But I'm pretty sure that that's basically the most popular view of humanity at this moment in time. It's certainly the one that most of my friends hold today. It's the idea behind that phrase that people use to rally the troops when something bad happens. Come on, guys, we're better than this. It's behind the ideas of things like kindergarten, literally child garden. The idea that children are basically good. And if you just plant them in good soil and allow them to grow up by themselves without the influence of evil adults, they'll turn out all right. But we're also aware that humanity has a darker side. Out there in the world, obviously, and perhaps if we're honest, in here too, in our hearts. Uh, Lots of us have just come back from a weekend away at Ashburnham. And on the way from Battle Station to the house, lots of us squeezed into a taxi. Uh, I was in the front and I was having a chat to the driver. And he was telling me how he always gives people the benefit of the doubt. Because most people are pretty decent. But he was also telling me how the company had just spent loads of money installing CCTV in all of the taxis. For all our safety, he said. He started off the journey by telling me that he'd only had four bad experiences in all his time of driving taxis. But as he went on, he said, some people, uh, some people are just nasty. And now I was really struck when I came across this quote about this Rutger Bregman book, um, because this quote could absolutely not describe the book of Judges, could it? Judges is a book that is invested in showing us human sin. Last week, we saw it in Israel's military campaigns. And this week, we're going to drill down into the hearts of Israel, the thinking at the heart of their behavior. This passage is the second introduction to the book of Judges, which is marked out by the fact that we get Joshua's death for a second time. The first time I was reading it, I thought I'd just put my... Um, book of Judges on shuffle, but it didn't really work out. Um, but we get Joshua's death recorded for a second time. Um, and this is maybe the contents page of the book of Judges. Um, what we get in this chapter is a potted summary of the rest of the book. He's giving us a framework for understanding the rest of what we're going to read across the book of Judges. If you ever did English at school, maybe you came across a little study guide um, for the books that you're meant to read. Some people call them spark notes or cliff notes or York notes. Uh, They're the guides that you get if you don't really want to read the book. Um, They have chapter summaries and plot summaries. Uh, You're meant to read the book, but they help a lot. 
Um, they're not meant to replace reading the book, uh, but the author has been kind enough. The author of Judges has been kind enough to stick a little Sparknotes version of Judges right at the start. A little snapshot of what we're going to see across the rest of the book. And we get a sneak preview uh, of what Judges is going to show us about Israel. Uh, what Judges is going to show us about what all of us are really like. Uh, as you'll see from the handout, we're going to look at it in three parts. Uh, and the first thing we're going to see is this. Uh, in Judges, we are going to see a cycle of betrayal. A cycle of betrayal. Uh, the rest of Judges is a series of stories that all have the same basic structure. Uh, a cycle. And verses 11 to 19 of chapter 2, they outline this cycle for us. Uh, each incident starts with idolatry. I look down at verse 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. The God of the Bible is the creator, the one true God of the entire world. So only he deserves our worship. Only he deserves our trust. It's no surprise then that the Bible is happy to describe idolatry, worshipping other gods, as evil. But it's particularly nasty for God's people. It's not just wrong, but it is a horrible betrayal. I look down at verse 12. And they abandoned the Lord, the God of their fathers, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt. Israel have a uniquely close relationship with God. He's told them his name, the Lord. He chose their fathers to be his special people. In love, he rescued them from slavery in Egypt. Every Israelite should have been brought up with bedtime stories about the Lord. You can imagine them there at bedtime. Daddy, daddy, can we have that one where God smashes Egypt? So dad tells the story and then they pray together to the Lord, their God. But now in Judges, Israel abandoned the Lord and worshipped the gods of Canaan, the Baals and the Astaroth. And it's not just an accident. Did you notice how many verbs that Judges used to describe this idolatry? In verse 12, uh, they served, they abandoned, they went after, bowed down, abandoned and served. Uh, this is a horrible and deliberate betrayal of the God who loved them. That's step one. And so step two of this cycle, God is rightly angry. I look down at verse 14. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel and he gave them over to plunderers who plundered them. And he sold them into the hand of their surrounding enemies. Uh, this isn't God flying off the handle. It's right judgment on a national scale. He warned them. He swore to them that this would happen in verse 15. And yet they still turn their backs in betrayal. Uh, this is right judgment and it is terrible. They are defeated by the kings of Canaan. They are captured, oppressed and harassed. It wasn't it so striking when we heard it read. They were in terrible distress. But then step three of this cycle, God steps in. I look down at verse 16. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of those who plundered them. In acts of incredible mercy, God saves this rebellious people. Uh, when we hear the word judge, we might think of somebody in robes and a grey wig, plus or minus a gavel, depending on which side of the Atlantic you grew up on. Uh, but this word has something to do, and this word does have something to do with establishing justice, like a judge does. 
Uh, But these judges don't tend to do it in the law courts. They tend to do it on the streets. In a way, they're a little bit like superheroes. Uh, Israel is in distress, so God taps these ordinary folks on the shoulder and equips them to save his people. Uh, In the book of Judges, we're going to meet six main judges and a couple of more minor judges. They don't necessarily come one after the other, and they're spread out all the way throughout Israel. Uh, The important thing to remember is that in his incredible mercy, uh, God raises up each judge to save his people. That's step three. Uh, But eventually, the judge dies. And very sadly, uh, the cycle of betrayal starts all over again. I look down at verse 17. Yet they did not listen to their judges, for they whored after other gods and bowed down to them. Or down in verse 19. Uh, But whenever the judge died, they turned back. Uh, That word turned back in other places in the Bible is used to mean repented. Uh, That Israel repented of following the Lord and turned back to idols. Uh, This is betrayal and it is a cycle, a cycle of betrayal. Uh, Verse 18, whenever the Lord raised up judges, he saved his people. Verse 19, whenever the judge died, they turned back. Back and forth, back and forth. Uh, God is incredibly merciful, uh, but Israel are forgetful, stubborn, rebellious idolaters. And it happens again and again and again. Uh, Judges is saying that is what we're like. Uh, That's what we're like. Uh, There's a story in my family about my grandmother. I'm about 50% sure it's true, but I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, She lived in West London, but she grew up in Singapore. And I'm not sure that she ever really grasped British geography. Uh, The story goes that she was driving to visit a friend in Edinburgh. It's actually quite a simple journey. You go west out of West London on the M4 for a bit. You join the M25 orbital, and then you take the M1 and the A1 all the way up to Edinburgh. Uh, So she does the first bit right, but somehow she forgets to join the M1. And she doesn't notice. Uh, She knows that it's a long way to Edinburgh, so she keeps driving on the M25. Around and around and around, circling London, looking for signs to Edinburgh. Uh, The author of Judges is telling us about this cycle, this around and around and around the betrayal, uh, because we're going to see it lots in the rest of the book. He wants us to know how to read the rest of the book. Uh, Each of the major judges starts with that same phrase in verse 11. And the people of Israel did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. And when we see that coming through judges, we need to know that the basic ingredients of what's coming, we already know them. Uh, We know the basic ingredients of what we're going to see. And that frees the author of judges to highlight what's different between these different stories. And maybe in one judge, he'll dwell on one part of the cycle or, or miss it out. He might bring up this particular detail that is unique to this particular judge. He might get us to compare two judges. Uh, This cycle is a framework, a framework that he's going to use to explore what we are really like. And again and again, uh, we are going to see this cycle of betrayal. Uh, Despite God's intervention, Israel are unchanged and unaffected. Except, except maybe you notice that's not quite right. Uh, By the time we get to verse 19, it's clear that this cycle isn't just going round and around and around like my grandmother and the M25. It's going down. It's really a downward spiral. Uh, That's point two, the downward spiral. 
Uh, The key words are there in the middle of verse 19. Uh, More corrupt. But whenever the judge died, uh, they turned back and were more corrupt than their fathers. Do you see what he's saying? Each generation, each generation was worse than the last. Uh, This isn't just a cycle. It is a downward spiral. I quite enjoy doing the washing up at home. That's my job. It's a repetitive task. It's quite relaxing. Uh, You can pop on a podcast and just get on with it. Um, And there's a moment when you're done with the dishes and the water is absolutely filthy and you pull out the plug and the filthy water starts to drain away. Uh, And sometimes there's a rogue bit of food that you've missed scraping off into the bin and it's floating there on the water. And as the water gets lower and lower, this peel, this bit of risotto starts to circle around the plug, spiraling round and round and down and down and down. That is God's people. Each generation more corrupt than the last. And now that might surprise us a little bit. I think our basic assumption is that this world gets better and better and better year on year, generation on generation. Uh, There are ups and downs, but in general, the trend is good. Uh, We think humanity is making progress, not just in technology, but in ethics and morality. There aren't many examples of children looking at their parents' generation and thinking, oh, they did it better than us. It doesn't really happen. Uh, No, the world says, we are more progressive and more enlightened than our fathers. Uh, We learn from our mistakes, we learn from history, and we do better. But Judges invites us to question, is that really true? Do we really learn from our mistakes? Uh, Israel didn't. They got worse and worse and worse. God gave them every chance. He continually stepped in to save them, judge after judge after judge. But each generation was more evil and more idolatrous and more corrupt than the last. And Judges is telling us now in the introduction so that as we go through the book, we're going to spot this downward spiral. Uh, Pay attention, he's saying, watch out for this. Uh, Throughout the book of Judges, we're going to see Israel and the Judges becoming more and more like the people of Canaan around them, more and more corrupt. One commentator calls it an apparently irresistible, irreversible and inevitable process of Canaanization. Canaanization, that's my new favourite word. Uh, The compromise that we thought about last week, uh, that compromise has consequences. Uh, God's people, they were sent to judge the evil people of the land and their evil practices, but instead they adopted them. If this surprises us, judges ask, do we really understand the corrupting influence of sin? How sin spreads, how it warps our thinking. Do we understand that the effect that our sin has on others? Do we understand that the effect that unaddressed sin has on us? If we don't take this seriously, we won't understand why Paul in the New Testament speaks so strongly about sin in the church. Uh, The Corinthian church had a chap who was committing unrepentant sexual immorality and the church were just tolerating it. Uh, Perhaps it's wrong, they said, but he's a brother in Christ. But Paul warns them. Let him who has done this be removed from among you. A little leaven leavens the whole lump. Of course, in Corinthians, his goal is this man's repentance and reconciliation to God. Uh, But meanwhile, the church must be protected because sin spreads. 
If he was allowed to say, their hearts would begin to think, surely that must be fine. If he's doing that, uh, it's fine if I... Uh, that's terrible, but doing this, it's, it's minor. Uh, Paul wasn't being harsh and unloving. Sin spreads and it corrupts. And if you doubt it, uh, look at Judges. Israel thought they could negotiate, that they could tolerate and compromise with the sin of Canaan. But the rot of sin spread, set in, and overtook them. In Judges, we are going to see a downward spiral. And as we can see from the rest of our passage, this downward spiral ends at rock bottom. That's point three, rock bottom. We're in verses 220 and following. Chronologically, verse 20 seems to take us right to the end of Judges and even beyond. Uh, Israel haven't changed. In fact, they've spiraled downwards. Uh, So God draws a line under things. Uh, Look at verse 20. So the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And he said, because this people have transgressed my covenant that I commanded their fathers and have not obeyed my voice, I will no longer drive out before them any of the nations that Joshua left when he died in order to test Israel by them, whether they will take care to walk in the way of the Lord as their fathers did or not. The Lord's drawing a line under it. His anger, his anger is kindled yet again. But this time, look at what he calls Israel. This people, in verse 20, not my people, this people. Israel, they don't want to listen to God. Uh, They don't want to keep his covenant. So they have disowned themselves. This is rock bottom. And so the Lord stops helping. Uh, God's people, they seem to love the Canaanites, so God leaves them there. Uh, He will no longer drive them out from around them. In fact, in verse 23, we learn that that's why he didn't allow Joshua to bring total victory at the very beginning. God allows the Canaanites to remain. And as Israel live among them, God's people are tested. Living among the Canaanites would test their fighting. Canaan's oppressive kings and marauding pillagers pillagers would give them an opportunity to learn how to fight. But it would also test their obedience Uh, Would Israel listen to their Canaanite neighbours and join them in their sin? Or would they listen to the Lord and his commandments? Uh, This is going to be a test. Uh, But even here, even at the start of Judges, uh, there are two important things for us to see. Uh, First, this test isn't for God's benefit. It's for for ours. Uh, God knows what's in their hearts. He knows what's in all our hearts. Uh, But we assume the best of humanity So we need to be shown the reality. Uh, Martin Luther King puts it so eloquently. uh, The ultimate measure of a man is not where he stands in moments of convenience and comfort, but where he stands at times of challenge and controversy. Uh, Israel are going to be stress tested and it's going to bring out what they are really like, uh, what we are really like. If this is a test, it's a test for our benefit. Uh, But even here in Judges, uh, we see that Israel failed the test. Uh, Look at the damning report in chapter 3, verses 5 to 6. So the people of Israel lived amongst the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites. And their daughters they took to themselves for wives, and their own daughters they gave to their sons, and they served their gods. 
Uh, Even here at the start of Judges, uh, we see the end. Rock bottom. After every chance, every try and every help, they fail. They marry the people of the land. They serve their gods. Israel arrived as God's chosen and holy people, but they ended up just like everyone else. Uh, Some of us might be a little surprised that idolatry and intermarriage are tied so closely together. Uh, But the Bible makes it really clear that who we marry says a lot about what we think about God. Consistently, Israel were led away from the Lord by marrying those who worshipped other gods. It's incredibly difficult to hang on to your faith when your closest companion thinks something different. It is incredibly difficult to give your life to serving Jesus when your spouse is living for someone else. So many Christians have had painful experiences of this. So many, very sadly, have given up following Jesus. So Paul says in the New Testament that we have freedom to marry who we choose, but only in the Lord. They have to be a Christian. But Israel, here in Judges, they married the people of the land. They served their gods. If this is a test, the test results are already in here in the introduction. Israel are just like Canaan. This is rock bottom. Uh, But have you considered why we get this huge spoiler? Uh, It's really bad form to spoil the ending of a book or a film for somebody else. When you go on the internet to look up film times, there are big kind of spoiler warnings. Uh, Just yesterday on our weekend away, uh, we had an announcement saying that nobody should spoil the ending of the Wales-England rugby match uh, because some people were planning to watch it later in the evening. Uh, So why does the author of Judges spoil the ending right here? Why does he say that even after all of the judges, Israel will fail and hit rock bottom? It's a question we should continue to ponder, but here's my stab at it. Uh, Maybe it's a little bit less like a spoiler and more like a good TV drama. I I love the West Wing and some of the best episodes open with something super dramatic happening. Uh, And then suddenly you get to the end of the opening scene and white text flashes up on the screen two days earlier. And you know that the rest of the episode is going to be the frenzied preparation getting up to this key moment. Uh, It's really good storytelling uh, because it means that you pay super close attention to what's happening in the episode. Because it's less about the destination, you know that, uh, but about how we get there. Uh, We know that this book isn't a, will the judges save Israel story. Uh, God's told us the end. They won't. They will hit rock bottom. Even here, we know that this isn't going to be a will Israel repent story. They won't. We know even here that Judges has no happy ending. No king, no super judge that sorts it all out. Uh, This is less like an episode of the West Wing and more like watching a car crash in super slow motion. And the author is flagging that up here to challenge our assumptions Uh, We want easy answers. We want Sunday school judges. We want quick fixes. But if we really spend time in the book of Judges, we're not going to get easy answers. Instead, Judges invites us to look closely at us, to look closely at humanity. Uh, Do we realize just how many things can go wrong? 
Do we realise just how many ways things can go wrong? Do we realise just how deep the rot in humanity goes? Or perhaps we have a simplistic understanding of what we need. Uh, perhaps we're sitting here and we assume that we know judges. Uh, we've seen this cycle in chapter two. Why do we need the rest of judges? Maybe we could recite it from memory. Uh, maybe we know from Sunday school that Jesus is our better judge and our better rescuer. Uh, but have we really got it? Uh, the problem of humanity is far worse than we think. The author of Judges thinks we need 18 more chapters to show us. Uh, he thinks we need to be shown and not just told. Uh, because it's only once we've grasped that, that we've grasped just how bad we are, uh, just how deep in sin we are trapped, uh, that we can begin to see what, or rather who, we really need. Uh, how great a rescuer, how abounding in mercy a God. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you that you are a God abounding in mercy even though we are a people so quick to betray you and to turn to idols. Please use our time in Judges to open our eyes to what we're like by nature and to open our eyes to the wonder of your great salvation in Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen.